Welcome to Adopted Feels with Hannah and Ryan, a podcast on anything and everything adoption related. So today's episode is about the gathering and about the recent adoptee season in Korea. So we were both in Korea at the same time, which was very exciting. And we went to a bunch of different adoptee events. Okay, so before we get started, um, I just wanted to say for myself that um, any opinions that I express on today's episode are purely just my opinions and I do not represent any adoptee organization in Seoul or in Australia um, at this time. (laughs) (laughs) And neither do I and no one is paying me anything to say anything about (laughs) what I'm about to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so firstly, what is the gathering in case you don't know? Um, How would you describe the gathering, Ryan? Oh, I would describe it as... I've heard it described as, like, an adoptee contiki tour of, of Korea. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the most flattering description. Um, anyway, it's... I think I might have gone to the wrong gathering. <laughs> um, yeah, just basically a giant meetup. Yeah. Organized by... Um, ICA, which is an umbrella an umbrella organization of Korean adoptee organizations um, of different organizations from around the world, um, and I think that officially your adoptee organization has to have um, been running for at least five years, and then you can like apply to become official an official member organization of ICA. Mm. Yeah, but. But there are a bunch of orgs that, um, like, say, attend the gathering, or maybe not a bunch, but anyway, that aren't officially member organizations of ICA. So it's it's still, like, open. Like the Australian. Yeah, but I think that's technically, because I don't know if we've hit five years, or maybe we we have. Anyway, boring. Moving on. (laughs) 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 Moving on. So this, um, this was, like, the fifth gathering so they have like a big gathering every three years in Seoul um and I attended 2013 and 2016 Mm -hmm. and Ryan this was your first one that's right and this year's theme was um spanning generations communities families and leadership cool I you know to be honest I feel like the theme is always kind of the same like, <laughs> you know, something... Oh, actually, one year, there was... Maybe it was, like, something about cross-cultural bridging or something. Right. I, it's, it's always something to do with community, you know? Like, because that, that's the whole yeah. idea. I guess they've got, like, lots of different interests to kind of speak to. Lots of, like, new people. Lots of people that had, that had not been back to Korea since being adopted... So I think, yeah, people with a, like, huge diversity of experiences and... Yeah, actually, um, I heard that this year quite a high percentage of attendees were coming back to Korea for the first time. Did you hear that? I heard that too, yeah. Which would just be such an intense experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm sc- like, I don't know if I would want that i'm not sure as my i guess if you already like if you kind of could like um connect with a group of other adoptees who are also like from your country or something from your adoptive country then Mm. look it would still be an intense experience yeah yeah i mean it was intense for me and i've been back (laughs) quite a few times yeah and you know do research on this stuff so and even even then it was it was pretty intense at times so i can't i can't even imagine yeah yeah okay so we thought we would look at um i mean even though i didn't even technically attend other than the research <laughs> symposium but still we're going to talk about um briefly some highlights lowlights and um 
whether it's worth four hundred US dollars. <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> is, that, is that right? Like it's about four hundred US dollars, right? If you, I think maybe the, the early bird is lower. The early bird was lower, but like you know, three hundred. I don't know, three hundred. I want to say like three hundred twenty or something. Three hundred twenty-five US dollars. Early bird. I think. Okay, and because the Australian dollar is so poor right now,、mm. right? That's like that's like something like five hundred Australian dollars, right? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not think about it. It's sad. Yeah.、Um, what were our highlights? I, look, I only went to one thing, but it's always my favorite thing. I thought it was great. <laughs>、um, we both went to the research symposium day. Uh huh.、Um, yeah, this year it was just one day. I think in previous years maybe it was spread out over two. But、um, where you presented? That's right. Yes.、Um, anyway, it's just always really interesting,、um, and to, to, to see the different topics that.、Um, The people are looking into, and I was super impressed. We both were by Jaron Kim's research, so she did the keynote、um, speech, and yeah, and we will be interviewing Jaron for. We already have. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even talk. We already、so、have、excited. interviewed Jaron, <laughs> and、um, yeah, so we'll be releasing that、uh, in the next month or so. Yeah, or or two. <laughs> I need to record all of that again. <laughs> anyway, how did you find the research symposium? It was really great. It was、um, well. First of all, it was lovely being on the first panel. So mine was like you know done and dusted pretty early on in the day, so I could just like chill and just really、uh, sit back and listen to the rest.、Um, yeah. It was really cool to meet people that well, like first, first of all, like Caitlin, who we actually interviewed for the podcast, but I'd never met till like literally that day.、Um, yeah, and a few other people whose whose papers I've read in the past in my research, for instance, like Suna Leyborn. Yeah,、um, got to meet her, which was awesome. And yeah, Jayran Jayran Kim's keynote on、um, U.S. Korean American adult experiences and like. Adoptees, parent,、um, adoptees that become parents, and what's that? What that is like for them? That was all super, super interesting.、Um, oh, and then you got emailed by Tobias Hubenet, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did, and that was、uh, terrifying, but also super exciting. So yeah, that was also a really nice、yeah. outcome.、Um, I also really appreciated. Being able to just kind of launch into your paper without having to do the kind of like more background contextual stuff. Yeah. Like I, f- I feel like at previous conferences, I really had to be like, well, here is what like you know, here is what like transnational adoption practices were and are.、Um, here is why it's. It's interesting for like other fields of inquiry, whereas I felt like yeah, we're all at the research symposium. We're all sort of starting with a basic understanding that this is both interesting and important to research. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like you could just really go into what you wanted to say,、um, which was awesome because it was only like fifteen minute, roughly fifteen minute sessions that all papers were given. So yeah, that's quite.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really appreciated that and realized. That actually, I, th- I imagine like lots of adoption or adoptee, sorry, researchers have to do a lot of that work at the start of their papers normally,、um, which is like, you know, both necessary but kind of tiresome. So, okay. And what about other highlights from your gathering experience? W- were there any <laughs>、um, <laughs> workshops and the? Age breakout session was pretty interesting. It was way too short. I think it was only like two hours long.、Um, it sounds like a long time, though. Yeah, but once you go around the circle and do like introductions, you're already like what half an hour through, right? Or something. Yeah.、Um, and it was quite a large group, so I was in the thirty to thirty-four、yeah. age group.、Um, that was definitely a highlight.、Um, the whole day of workshops. Was pretty great. I think they were 
probably too many on offer at the same time. Um, so that kind of sucks. So I feel like I missed a lot of the stuff that I would have liked to have seen. Mm. I did an open session as part of a panel for the LGBTIQ+. Uh, it was called Perspectives on Intersectionality. That was good. Um, I went to the Adoption, Immigration, and Citizenship Workshop, mm. uh, which was organized by Tanika Jennings. Yeah. Um, and so that was looking at the issue of adoptees not having, like, say, U.S. citizenship. Correct, yeah. I mean, it was totally based on um, the U.S. context. Yeah. They had someone from the U.S. Embassy speaking to uh, the processes involved in in adopting a Korean child and the legal processes um, that adoptive parents have to go through in the United States. And they also had um, an adoptee from Vietnam uh, speak via Skype, Chris Larson, uh, who shared his story. Um, and that was that was really, really interesting, too. So I feel like that, that session was really... Um, was like fantastic in terms of raising awareness and talking about the current state of um, the the campaign in the United States. Um, so I really liked liked that. Unfortunately, because I was involved in like two of the workshops, yeah, could only go to one other. All <laughs> um, oh, right. I was really bummed to be missing. Like I missed the screenings of pretty much all the films, like Forget Me Not, uh, The Ugly Model. Um, and a letter for Sangha. So I missed all of those. So I'm going to need to like try and yeah. find some way to watch that here in Melbourne. So basically, yeah, the program could have been a little more um, spread out. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think yeah. definitely the day of workshops. Even the symposium, I reckon. I mean, there was so much work that went into it. Um, and the organizers like did did a fantastic job. I guess like, you know, I personally just would have liked <laughs> to have seen more other more researcher longer time spent on each paper and yeah. yeah yeah also do you want to talk more about your um about the lgbtiq session that you were part of and like do you feel like that was i don't know like adequate um representation i guess um during the gathering or i think that so the closed session there were only there were very very few of us uh, that that made it along. I think part of that is the fact that there were so many other things on offer at that time slot. Yeah. Especially like Forget Me Not was was screening at the exact same time. Um, I think also like having a closed session might also be a bit of a barrier for people that aren't out. You know, so like. You're basically adding yourself by walking in and, you know, even if the people, from the perspective of the people inside the room already, but also people watching you walk in, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really know how you get around that, but um, I would always like to see more queer and trans representation. You know, they had like pronoun ribbons this year, which I think is like one, one way of at least normalizing pronoun rounds or spreading awareness and even showing allyship from like cisgendered people um right but yeah i think i think i'd like i'd like to see more explored or more interest paid i suppose in how being queer also affects your experience as an adoptee particularly when it comes to like visiting or imagining a life in korea um, yeah. Dealing with birth family searches, dealing with DNA testing. You know, I I didn't think about the fact that as a trans person, when I when I submit my DNA, that that is something I'm gonna have to think about. Mm. Um, no, but but basically, maybe the session could have been a little more um, specific or directed, or you know, in the future that um, yeah, <laughs> there could be more some discussion of. Uh, can so as little aside, I'm like house sitting and cat sitting, and um, this cat is quite quite vocal, v very cute, but vocal. And um, <laughs> he was he was quiet before, and I was like trying to keep like one hand kind of <laughs> patting him at all times to keep him quiet, like kind of like 
like a baby on your hip or something. But um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think he's he's okay now. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, that that's him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so, what's been your experience of the two gatherings you've been to, um, and why? Did you decide not to go to the 2019 one? Oh yeah, good question. So, the first one, which yeah, the 2013 one. Um, I guess I was I was curious about it. Um, I thought it sounded fun to like meet. Yeah, just meet like a whole bunch of adoptees um, from everywhere. I was interested in both the research symposium and the workshop sessions, and. Um, yeah, I also, like, I I sang the Korean national anthem in the in that fancy opening ceremony wow. part. Yeah, so it was fun. Um, I remember thinking, wow, I'm actually, like, way more interested in attending the daytime stuff than 90% of people here. I didn't realize that it was, like, such <laughs> a, um, it's just, kind of, you know, like a, a, such a partying thing. Um, so, you know, there, I, I met a lot of people who were having the direct opposite experience of me. Like, they were kind of, like, say, waking up in the afternoon and, and going out all night and, and you know, and making, like, really great connections with people that way. Um, but I was, like, yeah, trying to get up um, and attend stuff that started at, like, 9 a.m. So, and I, I also... I also had um, a slightly possessive boyfriend back at in, at that time, um, so I, that's also why I kind of like wasn't going out a lot at that gathering. <laughs> does, does that make any sense? Was he in Korea? No, but I guess he had a sense of what the gathering can can be like. Um, anyway, and then twenty sixteen. I was president of the Australian Adoptee Organization. It was the first time we were kind of like all attending as like, you know, a proper little group. With Tim, who was vice president and now president, we attended some of the, um, they had like these leadership sessions, um, which, which were interesting and it was nice to meet like, yeah, people from... Um, leading the other adoptee organizations and but because it was a really short trip to Korea like you know 10 days or something um, and because I felt like I had uh, presidential responsibilities and you know other meetings and catch-ups with people here in Seoul I was just super busy and I and basically I also didn't get to like go out and party that much so so I built up like this huge like residual FOMO <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like overall though the gathering does provide this really unique and special opportunity to like be together as adoptees and yeah yeah in Korea that was the biggest takeaway for me for sure Well, so there were other events that we went to that weren't officially part of the yes. gathering program. You and I both went to, like, for instance, Julaine Lee's writing workshop. So it was really great to meet Julaine. Um, she has published a, um, a memoir of poetry, like mm-hmm. a yeah, poetic memoir <laughs> called um, Not My White Saviour. And she shared some really useful um, writing prompts with us. Um, actually, I'm going to share one of them. One of them, because I don't think this is like, it's not Julian's specific one. Or It is, you start with, what I really wanted to say was, like dot, dot, dot. And I thought that was really useful. And I also really appreciated her top writing tip, which was to write as if no one's going to read it as if no one's ever going to see what you're writing. And I think particularly for writing, um, like, personal stuff, that's, yeah, that's just a really good tip to just not censor yourself at all, um, at least in the in the first draft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just also really, you know, this kind of goes back to the community stuff we were just talking about, but 
I just, it was just quite a special feeling to be in a room with other adoptees trying to like write creatively, um, which is, is not an experience I've ever had before. Yeah. So just, you know, just that in itself was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we also went to the Speak um, performance slash art slash poetry event. That was awesome. Which was called, yeah, Adoptees Create. Yeah, I think that was, I mean, partly because I perf- performed at it as well, but that was the highlight for me for sure. I just, it, I think there was like an amazing buzz there because it was packed, um, you know, and we were like overflowing onto the street and yeah I think that was I wonder if you felt the same way presenting your research to a room full of adoptees but I um I felt like it was a really special experience to Mm. read my um personal adoption related piece to a room full of adoptees and allies I think it was it was really yeah it was really special your piece was your piece was amazing, and <laughs> then when you started singing, and you'll have to like tell people what you sang because I don't know what, what it was. Oh, uh, it's like it, it, <laughs> I feel like I like I actually didn't need to sing at that event, but I just like can't help myself or something. <laughs> um, it was just um, it was a lullaby called Nana from um, Manuel de Faya's, um set of Spanish folk songs mm-hmm. yeah f- from my uh, classical singing days it was beautiful it was really good and your you. like transition between your spoken word piece and the singing was like <laughs> amazing oh you mean it's just kind of like um, well abrupt <laughs> no like I could like see you like visibly preparing it was it was really it was kind of amazing um yeah, the whole night was the whole night was awesome. Yeah, I would love to see like more of that stuff. I wish that you know I'd have the opportunity to be able to to go see something like that on a more regular basis. Yeah, it was definitely um, it was definitely the highlight for me. I mean, I think that's one of my highlights of like honestly of of nine years of involvement in the adoptee community. Really? Yes, yes, that event and that. And also it was really special because it was, so it was Caitlin, um, an adoptee and a friend and, you know, our um, podcast interviewee that encouraged me to write the piece in the first place and then who also encouraged me to read it in in public because I'd, I'd never really read anything in public. Like, yeah, that I'd written like that. Um, And, yeah, you know, and so... And friends and people that I knew that organised the event and then it was attended by, like, a whole bunch of friends and and people that I know from the community. So, Mm. including, you know, people like like you and other people who were visiting from Australia. So it was just... It was really special. It just it felt like a bunch of different factors kind of came together. Um, Yeah, and so because my piece was about my relationship with my birth mother um it was also really nice a couple of adoptees came up to me or contacted me later and said that um that they related to the piece so so it was um very meaningful for me the whole thing yeah Yeah. (laughs) the whole night was amazing and then i just have this you know memory of everyone singing along to Oasis at the very end. And I was like, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> um, kind of a surreal, but like, like strangely nostalgic. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was an experience. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then you also attended um, another event that oh yeah, I briefly, um, sadly, only briefly um, went to Mijin Richard's um, new narratives on adoption event, um, and I had to dash because the like the like closing dinner for the gathering was on that night. Yeah. From what I from what I saw of it, um, it was also super powerful, um, and also just really nice to see more queer and trans adoptee representation, yeah. especially sort of in dialogue with birth mothers. Um, Yes. So that that was really great. Um, 
Yeah, and then that also just reminds me that we we went to the side by side screening, so the documentary screening, and then I went to see the exhibition at at the Lotte. I don't know if if you had a chance to go. Oh yeah, no, I snuck in as well actually. <laughs> yeah, luckily I didn't like get removed by security guards or something. Yeah. No. So what did you um, think of the exhibition and? The, the documentary and the exhibition. I thought it was. Um, I thought the exhibition was really great. I didn't leave myself enough time. I really, you know, you could just sit there for hours. Yeah. And I kind of wish that I had, but I ran out of time. Um, yeah, I think the way that they separated the video footage into themes was really interesting, and I think helped create, I guess, some sort of like narrative or at least talking points, which. Which was really good. Yeah. There was this one clip.、Um, I don't know who the adoptee was that I think I really needed to hear on that day when、oh, I went、wow. to the exhibition. Which was she was t- she was talking about how she spent a weekend with her birth mother, and she was speaking about how it was really difficult because neither of them could look at each other for like most of that weekend.、Um, And you know, she was obviously quite emotional about that. I don't know. That really struck a chord, a chord with me, and made me think about my recent meeting with my birth mother. Yeah. And you know, it's just the, just those small things of 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 hearing other people's stories and really feeling how that resonates、um, was really powerful. Yeah. Actually, so that was included in the documentary too, right? That clip. Possibly yes. I think so. Because I feel like when I heard that, I also thought of you and <laughs> and your reunion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Sometimes like you go into these things. Well, maybe it's just me. Sometimes I go into these things thinking like, oh, you know, I've, I, I think I've like heard most of this before or something. I don't know. You know, sometimes I walk in like feeling a bit like. <laughs> Adoptee narrative jaded or something, but I also、um, there was one line、um, in the documentary. I think it was from maybe it's the same person from Joy Liebethorow, and she said something. She just acknowledged how her relationship with her birth mother,、um, like reconnecting with her birth mother,、um, had been really hard, and it was just. It was. It felt like such. It's like something released inside me, hearing someone else just be so open about that.、Mm. You know, it, was just, it just kind of felt like a relief. Like,、mm. oh, it's not just me. You know. Yeah. Like I thought it was just me or something. Yeah. So I also heard something I, I kind of like needed to hear, which was really nice. Yeah. Can I ask? What the experience was like to see the footage of you? Yeah, no, it was like so. Thankfully, I could. I got to watch the shorter, sixteen-minute、um, version the sh- of the documentary, which is、um, up on the New York Times、um, Opdocs website. Yeah. Yeah. And so, thankfully, I got to watch that in the privacy of my own home.、Um, Yeah and、um, and it, yeah look I don't know, it's it's weird but、um, and I felt like a, a bit self conscious at first but then I was honestly I was still so kind of blown away and inspired by how open some of the other、um, some of the other interviewees were so I kind of like I kind of felt humbled by that I was just suddenly I was like. I was just like, this is not about me personally. Like, kind of, I don't know. Get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had I had that moment. I was like, actually,、um, yeah. I was just really、um, amazed by, I think, about by how generous some of the other people in the in the documentary were with sharing so openly. You know, yeah. And then I was reminded that like, if it helped me to hear something that. That someone else said,、um, then, then it's really worthwhile that that this will help other adoptees too. You know? Yeah, totally. I kind、yeah. of. Someone might have really needed to hear what you were saying on that day. Yeah, may, yeah. Or whenever they whenever they stream your video. <laughs> 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 
but I can I can imagine that it, it still would have been maybe a, a strange experience to see yourself from what like five six years ago. Yeah, five years ago. Yeah, and be watching. <laughs> and me watching that in a crowd full of people that many of whom know you. Yeah, you know, but so. I think I've like, I think you build up to it. You build up to that kind of like, like I wouldn't have necessarily been ready for that a few years ago. But you know, now I'm just like, well, I mean, I remember like the very first interview that um, I was in Korea, and there was a a Korean newspaper visiting Kovrut, and. Um, they were just kind of randomly <laughs> looking for other adoptees to be part of this article. And I felt super self-conscious about it. I was like, oh, oh I would need to be anonymous because what, what if I offend, like, someone in my adoptive family somehow, if they're going to see this Korean newspaper or, like, somehow I'll, like... I don't know. I was just... Um, I had a lot more hang-ups about sharing this kind of stuff but you know even through the podcast and I don't know I think it's like you gradually build up to more exposure basically (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and it's good if you um I, I think watching the documentary in Korea like with other adoptees was just a reminder of like the whole point of, mm. of sharing our stories. Yeah. The whole point of, like, having a podcast. Um, yeah, you know, to connect with people and to, like, remind each other of our um, shared experience and, like, our humanity, basically. I'm just, like, waffling on now. Like, stop, stop me now. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of already mentioned, we've mentioned being really busy and not making making it to everything we wanted to. Do you know, I actually, but I was so busy that yeah. I kind of like forgot to shower a couple of days. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds disgusting and it was disgusting because it's like so hot and humid here. Anyway, but that's how busy I was. <laughs> um, we've also mentioned... FOMO. Well, yeah. I mean, considering I was having like two hour, two yeah. showers a day. So <laughs> and I was go. having none. It was so hot. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and we already mentioned FOMO. So, yeah. Because I think, you know, you, you see these, there's always big groups of people going out. And if, you, if you're not going out, you just feel like, yeah. I felt it too. When? Though- Oh, you know, like I like I purposefully wanted to avoid having chronic hangovers. So Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah, because of yeah. like, you know, early-ish mornings <laughs> like the research symposium and the workshops, I just kind of avoided avoided going to the big social events, which were also like mostly in Itaewon, um and I was staying in Myeongdong, so yeah. Um but yeah, I definitely had had FOMO too, because, yeah, because, like, everyone's connected on social media by that point, so you can absolutely see everyone going out or, like, messaging each other at, like, four in the morning about, like, going to the next Norebang, and you're like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the group chats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, those group chats, yeah, it's, like, kind of real-time updates. Actually, a friend made a good point that sometimes you get FOMO even for things that, like, you don't actually want to do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think it's also, you know, it's like, because everything's kind of, like, time limited as well, right? So you're like, oh, this is, this is, like, my final night in Korea, or this is, like, my second last night in Korea, or my third, you know, whatever. Um... Exactly. I think that's a huge part of it. I think definitely knowing you've got a limited time. Um, and, you know, while I think like the, I'm, I'm talking about the gathering um, specifically, but I think while the age breakout groups were fantastic, if not a bit too short, I feel like I didn't get as many opportunities to connect with adoptees from other countries. Right. Yeah. And so I think part of my... my 
my feelings of FOMO were like, oh shit, it's like those big like social events at night where you actually can meet more adoptees from other places and yeah. you know connect with them. Yeah. So it was kind of that as well. Like oh, I was missing out on these opportunities to to meet people that I didn't organically bump into during the like day day programs. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that yeah. Now now I've got the same FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I hardly met like any um, you know like Scandinavian or like just European adoptees in general. Oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So I think we should move on to our final point, which is, um, yeah, kind of a somber one <laughs> about, uh, about like this, like post gathering or post career slump, slump, yeah, or blues or black um, hole. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which, you know, like, I think part of it is just that you know, yeah, you were on holiday and you were partying a lot and um, and it was all, like, fun and crazy and now now you're, like, back to work or, you know, in your case, back to winter and... Right? Part of it is that. But I think the other part of it is, yeah, you know, connecting in some cases so intensely with, with other adoptees and, like, people that understand you, um, having that in kind of concentrated experience of community and then going back um yeah you know in some cases to like much more isolated places where um yeah where you might not be like plugged into an adoptee community or yeah Mm. and I think even like the adoptee communities in the place where you reside like you're right like because everyone has their own life and routines it can be difficult to organize those social events um or those meetups in like remotely comparable way to the way that it is at the gathering yeah when that's like the sole reason why people are there yeah you were saying um something about intimacy and isolation do you want to like explain what you mean by that oh i think it's just um undergraduate psych like popping up Basically, <laughs> um, uh, you know how you, you learn about all the, you learn different psychological models and theories in um, psychology degree, and it just reminded me of one of um, Erickson's uh, phases of psychosocial development is intimacy versus isolation. I don't know, it just it just kind of popped up in my mind when I was thinking about, like, post-gathering, post-career stuff, um, because, yeah, I mean, I felt it intensely after I did first trip home back in 2010, because it was, like, my first trip back to Korea, my first time connecting with, like, so many adoptees, um, yeah, also my birth family reunion, and then I, I went back to Australia, and I just feel like I had no adoptees to talk about the experience with in Australia, really. Like, I had, you know, everyone that would understand was, like, back in Korea. So that was, like, really hard. Yeah. Mm. You know, for probably for months I felt that. And that's that's prob- that's actually what um, kind of motivated my whole, like, involvement in the adoption community. I think that that difficult experience of feeling isolated. So it's like, I was like, well, if I want to feel connected, then maybe I need to like try to build this community myself Mm. somehow, you know, or, um, yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of good came out of that difficult, uh, time for you because Uh, now, you know, like I'm sure you heard there was like a, record number of Australian adoptees attending this year. Yeah, I actually I was joking with a friend, I was like, maybe maybe next gathering will like outnumber the Danes, which which would be impossible because there's like so many of them. <laughs> but it's <laughs> um yeah, pretty good for like to get what was it, twenty or so? Yeah, something like that. Twenty Australians. Um considering that 
we only have like about three thousand, three and a half thousand Korean adoptees in Australia. Mm. Yeah, and whereas like say Denmark, just Denmark has like ten thousand. Mm. Yeah. Totally. So apparently they had around forty at the gathering. Oh, so it's a competition. <laughs> Yeah, how have you found it? If you want to share, like how how's the last week been? Like, well, I will say that leaving was a lot harder than I anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I was totally exhausted and sleep deprived, <laughs> um, but I was also really sad to leave, and mm. I think mm. it was like a complex blend of like wanting to spend more time in Korea, realizing like. How great it was to be like surrounded by other adoptees, like by that amount, right? Of of other adoptees, I guess wanting the chance to get to know some of them better, like because I think a lot of the connections were really fleeting, or a lot of the the times that you could actually speak to people were so hap- <laughs> haphazard and just sort of opportunistic. And I think also I would have liked the time and space to sort of decompress. In Korea, instead of just like, oh yeah, I pack my bags and and now I'm back in in Australia. Um, so it all felt really rushed, to be honest. Like the whole week felt really rushed, but then leaving felt rushed, and then I feel like I I didn't really have the time to to think about what that experience was like or really reflect on it at all. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure, I'm sure you you felt like that in the past, after first trip home. Oh, I I didn't have any tools to process that experience back then. Yeah, I mean, it was like in 2010. Like, I don't know if maybe I'm not even sure if I had a therapist. Yeah, I don't think I had a therapist at the time that understood. I think I had a therapist that was more kind of, to be honest, almost voyeuristically interested in my experience of coming back to Korea and reuniting with my birth family. Is that a mean thing to say? Anyway, this is a mm. this is another tangent, but um yeah, I think look yeah, there's basically I think it's completely natural and normal to um like to feel kind of low after such an intense experience and to have like a lot to process Mm. yeah yeah Um, I think you know like I talked I've talked a lot about this with you and on the podcast but um but even just like starting to feel a bit more comfortable like in my body like with the exception of a really short trip for a conference like this was the first time I've been in Korea like since surgery and like it was summer which is usually horrible um, if you're like if you you know haven't had surgery um and i think even in like really slow ways that i'm not really yet understanding i think meeting my birth mother also also like had an impact on my level of comfort in my body. Oh, wow. So it's like all these really slow processes are kind of happening. Then it's like, oh, yeah, and then and then I'm gone. Like, then I have to leave. So yeah. I think I feel more, like, stuck in between, I think, than I felt previously. And I don't really know what to do with that feeling. I don't, I don't like, so... You mean, yeah. like, stuck in between Korea and Australia, like, um, kind of emotionally or even... Well, it almost feels more like stuck in between, like, Korea and my life. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I mean, which is in a, tied to Australia, but not just that, I think. Just, like, yeah. it, it feels a bit like leaving Korea means I put all of that on hold. Because I can't advance that unless I go back. Right. Um, at least that's how it feels like right now. Like, I know there are things I could do, like, for instance, learn Korean. but <laughs> And I can do that here. Yeah. But, yeah, it almost feels like that's a parallel thing. And how do I maintain, like, 
a living connection to that other part that I still want to explore. I still want to understand. Um, I still want to live in that. Yes. But I can't do that here either. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. I mean, I mean, even with your birth family, I, like, I, I don't mean to be pessimistic about it. But my experience has been that, that, yeah, generally it's like I could maintain those relationships from Australia, but I couldn't really, it was hard to develop them further mm. from Australia. That, yeah, you know, like the, the most of the growth and the closeness that I developed happened in small moments in person in Korea. But, you know, yeah, sure, you can still, like, send messages and photos and, I don't know, even video chat once in a while if you, yeah, if, if you, both sides are up for that. But, um, but I know what you mean about, I mean, Korea, <laughs> if I'm being really honest, Korea has, like, fucking derailed my whole life, like, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, it's, you know, it's literally this image of, like, I'm a train on a track and going to Korea and kind of exploring different things is like lifting up the train and like just kind of plonking it somewhere else. And then I'm like, oh, where's the fucking track? Like, how do I get back on the track? <laughs> and and I guess for me, in a sense, my my need to like further explore things here, like I guess in a simplistic way, I dealt with it by just like moving back here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, you know I don't offer very useful advice but um yeah but I, I just think it's normal to feel that way and you've done such a lot on your recent trip yeah right like wow it's like a really really big trip in a lot of ways and I think you made like a lot of different connections with people and at least I think it's nice that your partner was here for some of it, so to some extent, they understand the experience. Not fully, of course, but... Yeah, totally. At least, yeah. Yeah. Because it would have just been impossible to really explain. <laughs> and... Yes, yes. Also, obviously, to have, to have that, like, incredible support on the spot... Um, and to really go through that experience together. Yeah. We'll talk about my reunion on a yeah. on another episode. Yeah. Soon, I think. Yes. Yeah. Soon. We've just got other much more exciting content to like put out there first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have um, an exciting uh, Korean adoptee masculinity special. <laughs> You make it sound like a dish. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> like That's a terrible. food don't item. <laughs> Before we finish, we want to thank our two new patrons. Yay! This is this is crazy. We had one which who was your sister. Yeah. And now we have like two more, and these are people that we didn't really know that well you know they they weren't family put it that way. <laughs> so huge thank you to Erin and Brad from Ottawa and Leslie a Korean adoptee living in Oakland California yes so thank you so much thank you so much for your support yeah and if i may it was so Awesome to meet you, Leslie, at the gathering. Thank you so much for thank you so much <laughs> supporting the podcast, <laughs> but also recommending us, which I see that you've done. So thank you so much. Okay, thanks everyone. Remember, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Adopted Feels, on Instagram at Adopted Feels Podcast, and if you have an iPhone, feel free to rate. And review us on Apple Podcasts, because that really helps. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. I just want to say I like the glasses that you bought in Korea. I, I, when you initially showed me the picture, to be honest, I was like, oh, is that like a bit like 
ajoshi, like old man ish. But they're actually really cute. <laughs> they're really cute.、Um, and I, I trust that they fit well. They fit comfortably. <laughs> they do fit comfortably. And I do have to say that after I got your feedback from the photo I sent you, where you were like, they're cute. Yeah. But maybe a bit ajashi, <laughs> question mark. That I was actually like, that is perfect. That's exactly what I'm going for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's cool hipster ajashi. It's not just like pure ajashi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll, work on,、yeah. I'll work on purifying my ajashi ness. As, as time goes by, I need to get, I need to get the,、uh, the, like, the mesh vests. Oh. In like khaki or blue, oh, navy oh, blue. Oh, oh right. Yeah, no. People seem to <laughs> rock. Yeah, you don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a very human like cry. I know. And actually, it's really cute when he eats his food. I mean, you know, for the.、Uh, in the interest of confidentiality and things, like obviously I don't want to say his name or. But when he eats. <laughs> when he eats wet food, like he loves wet foods like a treat, he makes this eating noise. I swear it's like. Yum, 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 yum. It's like, it's so human. It's, I've never heard anything like that from a cat, but. <sighs> Sometimes I think he just wants to, like, kind of talk. And I mean, I would talk back to him, but we, we are trying to record a podcast episode. <laughs>、um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 